feel privileged that to our technological advances and thanks to Maishi and to Jeremy that I'm able at least to be with you virtually today. And it would be impossible to miss this daf being that this is our second to last day of Mesechas Yivamas. And in Eretz Hashem, I will be there in person with you for the last daf. So today's daf is Kuf Chof Aleph 121. I will say we are picking up on Kuf Chof Amad Beis 120b. And we left off with Ini, which is two, four, six, eight lines up on the bottom. Kuf Chof Amad Beis 120b. So I will say just to reorient ourselves a little bit. The Mishnah quoted the idea that Aloha Lamaisa seeing someone in a situation that looks like there's no way they could survive is not enough to be able to give testimony that they are in fact dead so as to allow their wife to remarry. In order to be able to testify that a man is dead, you have to actually have seen him died. So therefore, again, the Mishnah gives an example. You see someone being devoured by a wild animal. Unless, of course, you actually see them dead, again, you cannot assume that they have died. So the Gemara gave an example of this, of someone, let's say someone had their throat slit. So again, slit the, slit the trachea and the windpipe. So the Gemara says, in such a situation like this, a person is not going to survive. So if you see a person with this type of injury, it is clear that they are not going to survive and they are effectively dead. So the Gemara says, Ini, is that so? So I, what about the fact that we saw that Allah, again, I read this yesterday, but it's Kedai just to repeat it. What about if a man had the majority of the two simonim slit, and then he, he motioned to someone to write a get for his wife. He doesn't want his wife, let's say, to fall to Ibum, so he writes a get. So what's the Allah? So the Hari Elu Yichtu Ultimately, Allah so you write the get. So what do you see from here? You see from here that a person who has the two simonim slit is still considered to be alive. To which the Gemara says, no, 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 no. What it means is right now he's alive, but Lamaisa, what it means is we know that he's definitely going to die as a result of these injuries. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, this is quite interesting. There's a concept of galus. Galus is if you kill someone in, accidentally, inadvertently, the aloha is that one is not put to death for such for such an act. Rather, one is sent to galus, one is sent into exile. So if that's the case, that we know that a person is definitely going to die, if you slit the two, you cut the two simanim, so if, watch this, so the Gemara says, Alamatanya, shachat shnaim orof shnaim harizah Here's the problem. Using this logic, if let's say Ruben accidentally caught, accidentally caught the windpipe and trachea of Shimon, he should have to go to Gullus, right? Again, it's accidental, accidental murder. He should have to go to Gullus. Yet, you know, the halacha is that he's not obligated to go to Gullus. So what's going on over here? To which the Gemara says, no, no, no. Ha'itmar lo am ravoshia, chayshinan shema haruach bilbalto. Inami shema ihu tapav kofchafalav kirev misaso. So I'm going to say, here's the issue. The concern is if Ruben accidentally cuts the simonim, the windpipe and the trachea of, of Shimon, the concern is like this, maybe there was some airflow that got in and it's that airflow that kind of cemented Shimon's fate. Or maybe Shimon himself moved or writhed in pain and as a result, he tore the simonim even more, therefore ultimately bringing about his death. So it's interesting. So in other words, what the Gemara says is, so there, there's, there's a confluence of a number of different halachas over here. 
We'll say for our Mishnah, or let's let's work backwards. In the halacha of Golos, when do you get sent to Golos? If you did something which accidentally caused the death of someone else, but there has to be a direct result between your actions and the death of the individual. If there's some other factor at play that at the end of the day would cause the death of the individual, then you don't go to Golos for that. That's why the Gemara says something very interesting. So if Ruvain accidentally cuts the trachea and windpipe of Shimon, Ruvain doesn't go to Golos. Why? Because maybe what caused Shimon's ultimate death was the fact that wind, right, got into the area there, hastened his death, or maybe Shimon writhed in pain, moved, and caused them to tear apart more. Therefore, you cannot attribute the entire cause of the death to Ruvain. Therefore, there's no Golos. But I also just want to point out that has nothing to do with our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is about whether or not we could assume the husband is dead or does somehow someone survive this particular injury. So one thing is clear. If someone has his throat slit and the majority of the windpipe and esophagus are cut, he's not surviving. He's not surviving. He's alive enough now to have someone write a get. He might be alive enough now that the person who did it might be not sent to Golos, might not be sent to Golos. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, for our purposes of the Mishnah, such a person is called dead. So he said, for what that means is, if you were to see Ruvain with the majority of his windpipe and trachea cut, you would be permitted to go to Bezdin to give testimony, and that would allow Ruvain's wife, Rachel, to go out and remarry, even though you did not see him lying dead on the ground. Top of Kof Chafalaf, my Benayu. So I say, the Gemara gives two interpretations as to what, or two ideas, two possibilities as to what could hasten the death of a person after they had the two Simonim split. One is again, Ruach, Ruach, right? Ultimately, again, the Ruach got in there and ultimately hastened the death, a wind. Or second possibility is that Ruben himself arrived and moved them toward the Simonim. So what's the practical difference between these two? The Shakti Bebeza, the Shisha, Uparchis. So an Afkamini could be if he, let's say, Ruben accidentally cut the Simonim of Shimon in a house made of marble. The assumption is that in a house made of marble, there's not a wind. There's no wind. And, and Shimon arrived in pain, he moved. So there's no wind issue, but there is a movement issue. Inami, the shach de bibra Or the other possibility is where Reuben cut the simanum of Shimon outdoors, but Shimon didn't move. In which case, there is wind, but ultimately, again, no, no movement. So I will say, so again, just to highlight what's coming out here. So the Mishnah gave me a principle. The principle was that you cannot testify that someone is dead unless, of course, you see them dead. That's the way it works. What the Gemara now is saying is there may be certain exceptions to that rule. So if you know that someone has the type of injury, where halacha lamaisa, again, there's absolutely no possibility at all in any way, shape, or form of that person surviving, then halacha lamaisa, even if you didn't see them dead on the ground, you can't testify. Now, the truth is there aren't many examples of that. The only example of that really is going to be the case of shachat borov shnayu, or there could be some other cases, but in that category, where again, you cut it to simanim, no cauterization, no bandaging, no remedies, nothing is going to fix that, the guy is going to die. Says the Gimar, Rabbi Huda Omer Lokov. So let's remember again, Rabbi Huda said in the Mishnah, our Mishnah said that halacha lamaisa, you could only testify about a body, right? Even though we spoke about, again, facial recognition, you could only rely on facial recognition for up to three days after the person passed away. Rabbi Huda said, you can't give limits like that because every case is different. Every case is different. I asked the Gemara, I will say, first wide line, Kufchaf Aleph Amad Aleph, Ibari Luhu, here's the Kasha, Rabbi Huda ben Baba, the Kula Palik, or the Chumra Palik. I will say, is Rabbi Huda coming to be Machnir? 
Or is Rabbi Huda coming to be mekel? In other words, what Rabbi Huda argues is he's saying that even less than three days, ultimately, again, perhaps you lose the ability to rely on facial recognition. Or maybe he's saying, no, even more than three days, even more than three days, depending if certain circumstances are intact or are in effect, you may be able to rely on facial recognition even after three days. So is he being machmir? Is he being mekel? So Tashma, let's analyze. There was a guy, there was a guy who drowned in Karmi. And what happens? What happens? That's the place. And ultimately, they took the body out. They took the body out after three days. And Rav Dimi of Narda allowed the man's wife to get remarried based on the facial recognition of the individual. So we'll say, what do you see from here? This is now more than three days. More than three days have elapsed. And you have Rav Dimi of Narda allowing facial recognition after three days and allowing a wife to get remarried. So the Gemara says, this soon, there's another case. There was another guy who drowned in the Diglas River. And they pulled him up on the bridge of Shavisno. And Rabbah allowed his wife to get remarried after five days. Another story where they are again relying on facial recognition after, after three days that the person died. So says the Gemara, I understand. If you tell me, if you tell me that Rabbi Huda is coming to be mekel, right? Rabbi Huda is coming to be lenient. Whereas the Tanakhama says you have up to three days to rely on facial recognition. Rabbi Huda says it depends on the circumstances. You could even have more than three days. If Rabbi Huda is coming to be mekel, then it makes sense. Why? In Huda Abed, Rabbi Huda ben Bava. All of these opinions, right? These two Rabbanim and the two previous stories, Rabbi Dimi of Narda and Rava were relying on Rabbi Huda. But if you ultimately say that Rabbi Huda was being more machmer than the Tanakh, Rabbi Huda is saying that even less than three days, right? Sometimes you only have less than three days in Huda Avid Kiman, then who are these Rabbanim relying on, relying on to allow facial recognition after three days? So very interesting. The Gemara says, I'll tell you what they're relying on. Shiny Maya Vitsamsi. Water is different. Water is different. Why? Because water causes the body to contract. If you look at Rashi, Rashi says here, Tzomsin suras haponen ve'in manichen osolim fok lishtanos. Both sides, the Rosh comments over here. He says, talking about cold water. Cold water causes the body to contract. And because the body contracts, therefore facial recognition is possible even after three days. One second, is that true? Va'amrit maya merzumaka. But we learned in yesterday's daf that water actually makes a wound worse. To which the Gemara says, If there's an open wound, then ultimately, again, the water will hasten the decay process. But if there's no open wound, a person just drowned, a person just drowned, then if the water is cold, it has the ability to preserve the body for longer. But I will say there is one caveat to this. So as much as there is a possibility to rely on facial recognition even after three days, 
it does require immediate identification of the body upon being pulled from the water. Because once the body is out of the water, the Gemara says, it becomes bloated. And once it becomes bloated, there may not be the ability to properly identify it. So again, as much as there is room to say under certain circumstances, we know the body is preserved, facial recognition will work even after five days, but the body must be identified immediately upon being pulled from the water. Incredible. Bose says the Mishnah, here's the case. A guy falls into a body of water. He's on a boat, he's somewhere. He falls into a body of water. And I was saying, now listen to this. Whether we're talking about water that has an end or water that does not have an end. So we're gonna define this in the Gemara, but let me just let me just define it for you now. So so we can see how it plays into the Mishnah. The concept of Mayim Shiyeshlahem Sof means water that is surrounded by visible land on all corners. In other words, the water has an end. You could see all the banks of the body of the water. Versus Mayim She'ein Lahem Sof means water where the banks are not visible. It's such a large body of water that you cannot see the banks of the water. So the Gemara says as follows. So if a man falls into a body of water, whether it's Mayim Sheyesh Lahem Sof, water, again, just let's define the terms once more, Mayim Sheyesh Lahem Sof, water that has an end, refers to a body of water where you could see the bank surrounding the water. Mayim Sheyesh Lahem Sof, water without an end, such a large body of water that you cannot see the surrounding banks. So says the Gemara, Am Rabbi Meir, Mais Suwastala, Asura, Ishto Asura, so the first opinion Mishnah says, if a man falls into a body of water, and obviously we haven't retrieved the body, his wife is Asura. His wife is not permitted to go ahead and, and um, remarry. And Rashi says over here, Ishtra Asura, Shemala Acher Prishas Prishis so the idea of Israel Mayor says, listen, it's possible that maybe he found the way out. Maybe he swam somewhere, maybe he found some underground air po- underwater air pocket, whatever it is. We'll see in the Gemara what it is. But Ramir says, you don't allow his wife to remarry until we find a body. Says the Gemara, I'm Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir says, So there was a story. Here's a story. A man who fall, fell into a very large water cistern. And what happened? And he came out of the cistern after three days. Three days he survived in the water cistern. I was like, what that means, how a person survived underwater for three days, we're going to discuss in the Gemara. Fine. There was once a story of a blind man who went into a pool of water, which was in a cave, in order to go ahead and immerse himself. The Yarad Moshcha Acharov, he had another guy, Moshcha literally is like a guide, right? He had somebody accompanying him. The guy went in afterwards. Ultimately, the two men were seemingly under the water for a very long time, enough time to assume they died. And what happened? And ultimately, again, the rabbis allowed their wives to remarry. To remarry, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, So I just want to point out, this is very interesting. Rabbi Yossi says, a pool of water in a cave is mayim himself, right? It's a water with an end. You can see the banks, so to speak, on all the sides. Yet Rabbi Yossi feels even in mayim himself, if a man is submerged enough time to assume that he that there's no way he could live, you can allow his wife to go and remarry. Okay, so the Gemara goes weiter. 
Gemara tells the story. Veshuv ma'isav asya. So another story. Asya. Once we actually read this story yesterday's daf. So what happens? Sheshalu shuliyam be'achoshal shuliyam. They lowered a guy down into the water. For the also biyadam elaraglo. And when they pulled him back, the only thing they were able to retrieve was his foot. Amru chachamim minarkuva ulamay lo tinase minarkuva lamat lo tinase. It depends how much of the leg they retrieved. If they retrieved the part of the leg from below the knee, then ultimately, again, it's possible the person survived such an injury, and therefore his wife cannot go ahead and remarry. But if if you retrieve the leg from above the knee, we assume a person cannot survive that type of traumatic injury, and therefore the wife is permitted to get remarried. Incredible. Says the Gemara Tanarabanon, They'll say, Rabbi Meir does not make any distinction in bodies of water, right? Rabbi Meir holds whether a man falls into Mayim, Sheyesh Lahem Sof, water again, where the banks are visible, or Mayim She'in Lahem Sof, where the body of water is so big that the banks are not visible. Rabbi Meir says, a woman cannot remarry. She has to wait until there is a body that is retrieved. Chum, the Chum, this day disagree. Let's listen to this. Chum, Momrim, Mayim She'yesh Lahem Sof, Ishtemuteres. So Chum say like this. If it's Maim Shiyeshla himself, if it's water where the banks are visible, then Halakhalamaisa the woman could remarry. Vishainla himself ishtasura. But again, water without end, i.e. the banks are not visible. Ultimately, she's a Srabo say, what's the logic? And this is actually Allah Khalamaisa. What's the logic of say? You see, Maim Shiyeshla himself where all the banks are visible. If the husband survived, if the husband survived, we would have seen him coming out somewhere. We would have seen him. So therefore, again, in Mayim Shiyesh Lahem Sof, water, where the banks are visible on all sides, Halach Lamaisa, if you don't retrieve a body, he, you, so, I'm sorry, if you, I'm sorry, even if you don't retrieve a body, Halach Lamaisa, you could allow the woman to remarry because we assume the husband is dead. If he wasn't dead, we would have seen him on one of the banks. Conversely, Mayim Shein Lahem Sof, Water for which you can't see the surrounding banks, it's possible the husband swam out somewhere and swam to safety somehow, and we just can't see him. Because of that, the wife cannot remarry unless, of course, they retrieve a body. So it says the Gemara, What's the example of Mayim Sheyeshla himself? What's the example of that? Explicitly, here it is. Any body of water where you could stand and you could see all four surrounding banks of the body of water. So I will say an interesting story. And we'll say there was a guy who drowned in the Agma Damaski. So we'll say the name of the place is Maski. Agam is a marsh, is a marsh. So the guy drowned in the marsh of Maski. Abshila, obviously they didn't, they didn't retrieve a body, and Abshila allowed his wife to go ahead and remarry. Now I will say, this is actually very interesting. This is actually interesting. So we are assuming, well, let, let's, see, let's, see the, let's see the case. So Abshila allowed the woman to remarry, even though they, they did not retrieve a body. Amrali Rav Shmuel. Rav said to Shmuel, Ta neshamte, we need to excommunicate Rav Shila because he paskined erroneously. After all, again, I will say the halacha is, we would think a marsh is Mayim Shiyeshla himself, right? A marsh ultimately, again, is a, is a body of water that has defined boundaries. You can see the banks. So therefore, again, the only way to, right? So therefore, halacha lamaisa, if he was alive, well, actually, I'm jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead. Rav wanted to excommunicate him. Let's see. So Tanishante, Amrale, was a great story. Amrale, Mishlach Leibereisha. 
So Shmuel says, before we excommunicate him, maybe we should just ask him why he did what he did. Rav say, what a profound exchange, right? Rav feels that Rav Shiloh erred in his ruling, right? He should not have allowed the woman to remarry, right? That, that was the mistake. So Shmuel says, hold on, before you excommunicate him, let's talk to him. say, how many times are there fractured relationships because people jump to conclusions, act on those conclusions, ruin relationships because of things they think happen. Instead, instead, just take the time to ask. Just ask what happened. Just inquire. Just have a conversation. So sure enough, Shmuel does this. Amr Rav Shmuel. So the Gemara says, So Shmuel sent a message to Rav Shila. So Shmuel asked Rav Shila the following Shaila. Rav Shila, tell me, if a man is lost in a body of water, and it's a body of water, it's a body of water that you can't see the surrounding banks. What's Talach? Is the wife Mutter or Asura? Shalach Luhu Ishta Asura. So Rav Shila says, of course. The wife is Asura, because because I can't see the surrounding banks, maybe he swam out to safety somewhere, and therefore in the absence of a body, of a body, you can't allow the wife to remarry. So says the Gemara of the Agma, so says Shmuel, the Agma the Samki, Mayim Shiyesh Lahem Sof, or Mayim Shein Lahem Sof. So Shmuel says, Rashid, Rashid, tell me, the marsh of Samki, is that a Mayim Shiyesh Lahem Sof, or Mayim Shein Lahem Sof? Watch this. Shalach Luhu. Mayim she'en lahem sof. Rav Shila said the marsh of Samki is Mayim she'en lahem sof. Ultimately, again, it's water without defined or discernible or visible boundaries. We're going to see because in this marsh there were waves that actually that actually funneled the water, or I should say, pushed things into larger bodies of water. It's Mayim she'en lahem sof. So Umar, my time avadachi. So Rav Shila, tell me. If the marsh of Samki is Mayim She'en Lahem Sof, water without defined boundaries, then how did you allow this woman to remarry without retrieving a body? So the Gemara says, Surah of Shila said, You're right. So the Gemara says, Mita Ta'ina Ana. Right? I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Sabar Kevan Kavi Kavu Vakaimi Kemam She'esh Lahem Sof, dummy. I thought that because a marsh is standing water, therefore it has the status of Mayim She'esh Lahem Sof. But I made a mistake. Velohi, Kevandika Gali, Amar Gali Gali Ashpalu. But I made a mistake because then I saw the marsh has waves. And because the marsh has waves, therefore it has the status, right? The waves move things out of this body of water. And therefore, again, the marsh will have the status of, the marsh will have the status of Mayim She'en Lahem Sof. So I will say, what an incredible story. Rav Shila said this well, I made a mistake. I, I, made, I, made, I made a wrong ruling. I passed incorrectly. So I will say, let's get how the story ends. Kari Shmuel Rav, lo ye'una letzadek ka'avim. So I will say, listen to this. Shmuel said about Rav. So Rav, about you, the passage can be said, lo ye'una letzadek ka'avim. That nothing bad happens to a tzadik. Or through a tzadik, nothing evil will occur. So Shmuel was saying, it was like this, Rav, you were ready to excommunicate the guy. But Baruch Hashem, we asked a couple of questions and therefore a wrongful excommunication didn't happen through you, Rav. To which Rav says, So Rav said about Shmuel, the Pasuk in Mishle, a beautiful Pasuk, salvation can be found from those who seek out counsel. So ultimately, again, Rav says, the truth is, Shmuel, because I leaned on your advice, ultimately, again, I did not make the mistake. And I will say the truth is, such a beautiful Gemara, you can really read it as a cause and effect. 
then in reality, how does the righteous person ensure that nothing bad happens through him? Ask the advice of others. Sirabo said the common theme over here is that Rav engages Shmuel, therefore is able to benefit from the advice of Shmuel. Shmuel decides not to act without actually talking to the involved party. We'll say, what an incredible musr. How many mistakes we make in life because we jump to conclusions, we fail to clarify, we fail to dialogue. And if only we would just take the time to get to the bottom of things. Don't, don't assume, right? Don't make assumptions. Don't jump to conclusions. Ask questions. Rav, Rav spoke to Shmuel, Baruch Hashem, he sought out advice. Ask advice. You're faced with something difficult. You're faced with something overwhelming. You're faced with something with serious repercussions for yourself and others. Don't go at it alone. Ask for advice. Tanya, Omer Rabbi Maisim Shnei Adam Machmorin Machmorin. So let's listen to this. Biarding. There were two guys. There were two guys who were laying nets. They're fishermen. They were laying nets in the Jordan River. One of them went in a means a tunnel of fish. So it must have been that they were by the banks of the river and the fish like burrowed, burrowed into the banks. The Rebbe says something interesting happened. So one of the guys swam into like the burrow, like the fish tunnel, in order to go out and put a net. What happened? As he's inside of the fish tunnel, the Rebbe said there's an air pocket in the fish tunnel. So he's in the fish tunnel, laying the net, there's an air pocket, the sun goes down. Because the sun went down, he was unable to see his way out of the fish tunnel. So what happened? His friend is waiting there on the boat. And again, amount of time goes by and he says, Nebach, Nebach, my friend died. My friend died. The friend who, the friend who went under to lay the nets, he died. And what happened? And we'll call him Ruvain, who was on the boat, goes to Shimon's family, tells them tragic fishing accident, Shimon died. Shimon died. Meanwhile, Shimon's in the fish tunnel with an air pocket, waiting for sunrise. What happened? The next morning, what happened? The sun came up and Shimon was able to find the exit for the fish tunnel. Says the Gemar Uba. So Shimon comes home, tired, exhausted, wet. And what does he find in his house? And what does he find? He finds again eulogies, Levayas, Mamisha, Levaya. Can you imagine? Shimon showed up at his own Levaya. So what happened? Amar Rebbe, Rebbe, when he heard this story, said, Kama gidolim divrei chachamim, Kama gidolim divrei chachamim, Sha'am lomayim sheyesh lahem sof ishto muteres, Sha'ein lahem sof ishto asura. Shabbos so said, listen to this. How wise is the chacham? Shabbos said, the Yardin, the Jordan River, was considered to be, was considered to be mayim she'ein lahem sof, water without discernible boundaries. So because of that, in reality, in reality, this was a case where they should not have assumed Shimon was dead. They still assumed Shimon was dead. They made his levaya, and what do you see? They were wrong. So Rebbe sees this mice and he sees, you see how wise the Chachamim are. Incredible. So the Gemara says, One second, if that's the case, that there are these concepts of fish tunnels, right, where there are air pockets in there, even in a case of Maim She'esh Lahem Sof, even where it's a body of water where you could see all the banks. And I will say in that case, generally, if you don't see the husband going up, even if you haven't retrieved the body, you could assume that he's dead. I warrant the Choshesh for fish tunnels, even in my Sheish Lahem Sof, 
to which the Gemara says, Mechila Shaldagim, Beraim Sheishlam Sof, Mechila Shaldagim Lo Shricha. So once I say, so apparently those fish tunnels are really only found in larger bodies of water, not in smaller bodies of water. Incredible. So Amr Abashi, Hadam Rabbanamayim She'ein Lam Sof, Ishto Asura. So I'm say that which the rabbi said, that in Mayim She'ein Lahem Sof, ultimately the wife is Asura. And I'm say, so again, just to review this Allah, this is Allah Alamaisa. A man falls into a body of water. Mayim She'ein Lahem Sof. Water where you can't see the surrounding banks. The halacha is the wife cannot get remarried. Why? Because since it's such a large body of water, maybe the husband swam out somewhere, found safety somewhere, survived somewhere. So unless, of course, you find the body, halacha l'maysa, halacha l'maysa, you cannot go in the ladder to remarry. So the Gemara says, Hani mili be'inish da'alma. That's only true with a regular guy. Listen to this. Avot tzuru mirabonon lo. But it's not the case. Why? Because if the Salik, if a really did survive and he came out somewhere else, Kala Isle. People talk about the Tamdi Khachabim are famous. If the Tamdhachim survived, people would know about it. To which the Gemara says, Well, it's not true. Loshna inish ta'almo, Veloshna Tsura Mirabanan. Both say it doesn't make a difference who the person who fell in, whether he's a Tamdhachim and he's famous, a regular guy, either way, I will say the halukh is the same. Namely, and I will say this is very important. So when when a person falls in, when a man falls into Mayim Shiyeshlahem Sof, right? Water where there are discernible boundaries. I will say, we could see if he's coming out. So when we don't see that he's coming out, we assume that what? He is dead. He is dead, even if we don't retrieve a body and therefore his wife could get remarried. Conversely, where we can't see the boundaries, we don't know what happened. And because we don't know what happened, unless you retrieve a body, the wife is prohibited to get remarried. Now, both said, that's the halacha. The Gemara gives an interesting caveat. The Gemara says, the evet in l'chatchila lo. So the said, this is actually very interesting. So halacha in a case of mayim she'ein lahem sof, right? Water without boundaries. So we say a woman is not permitted to get remarried if her husband fell into that body of water until they retrieve a body. The Gemara just says something very interesting. That is true l'chatchila. Bidiyavid, if she went ahead and she got married anyway, we would not force her to leave husband number two. Interesting idea, interesting idea. So Allah said, if she went and remarried against halachic advice, we would allow her to remain married to husband number two. Incredible. Look at this story. I just, I feel like a Gemara like this, you know, we've worked so hard on Masech HaSivamis. It's, it's overwhelming. I, 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 I feel like this Masech has been just an avoda. Because it's intricate, because it's long, it's been it's been a it's been a trek. Like this is this is the Mount Everest of Gimaras. And and we're we're right about to get to the zenith, to the apex, the top of the mountain. I'll just point out something amazing. You know, sometimes when you work so hard on something, so you Kashbarahu throws you, not throws you, Kashbarahu gives you such a beautiful present. These Gimaras that we're gonna do now are presents. Listen to this. Tanya Rubigomil. says, Pam One time I was traveling by boat. And I saw that there was another boat traveling nearby and it was slammed by stormy seas and it broke. And it broke. And I traveling on that boat was a great Tamtrachem. And I was so sad because after a boat is demolished like that, that boat, no, no one survived. And I was sad that a great Tamtrachem was lost. Who was the great Tamtrachem? Who was the great Tamtrachem who was on that boat? Umanu Rabbi Akiva. 
was none other than Rabbi Akiva, who was on that storm-tossed boat that capsized, that broke apart. Rabbi Gabriel was sure that he was dead. When I came to dry land, who walks into the base? Medrash, none other than Rabbi Akiva. Heilige Rabbi Akiva survived. Says Rabbi Gamliel, Amarti lo bini, my son, how did you survive? Literally, who took you out? How did you, I saw that. I saw what happened to your boat. You capsized in the middle of the ocean. The storm broke it apart. How did you survive? Both say, listen to these words. Amar li, Rabbi Akiva said, daf shal sfina nizdameli. A daf, a daf, a daf means a board. A board of the, I grabbed onto a board of the boat. V'chalgal v'gal shaba alai, every wave that came over me, na'anisi li roshi, I bowed my head into it. Sarebosai, the Lublin Arav, Rav Meir Shapiro of Lublin, our spiritual father, our Rebbe, the father of the Dafyomi, the Lublin Arav quoted this Gemara, and the Lublin Arav says that life is filled with so many challenges. Life is filled with so many stormy waters, so many difficulties, so many overwhelming situations in life. How do you anchor yourself? How do you survive? Said Rab, we learn from Rabbi Akiva, hold on to the daf. Hold on to the daf. Rabbi Akiva held on to a daf, a little, a piece of a boat, a board. We hold on to the daf. I hold on to the daf. I hold on to the daf each and every day. This daf keeps me afloat. This daf allows me to survive. This daf keeps me grounded in a life that is sometimes so overwhelming and turbulent. Because you know what the incredible thing is? Everything else could change. You know what the one thing that remains a constant is the daf. Today's kuf chaf alef. Tomorrow is going to be kuf chaf beis. Friday is going to be ksuvis daf beis amad alef. Shabbos daf gimel. It's a stabilizing force. In the world of stormy seas, the one thing that anchors us, the one thing that keeps us afloat, the one thing that keeps us alive is the daf. Hold on to the daf and you will be able to make your way through the stormiest of seas. Incredible Gemara. Now I will say, Rabbi Akiva adds in something else. He says, every time there was a big wave that was going to come over me, I bowed my head. I bowed my head into the wave. So the Gemara says, from here, the Chachamim said something very important. If Rishayim come to attack a person, bow your head. Now, what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. So Rashi says, first of all, Rabbi Akiva says, I bowed my head in front of the waves. Rashi says, When you bow your head, the wave passes over. The wave passes over, right? If you stick your head up, the wave slaps you in the face. Bow your head, the wave passes over. So the Gemara says, this is an incredible metaphor. Rashi says, Both said, this is incredible. There are times in life where you have to take a stand, and there are times in life where you have to fight back, and there are also times in life where you kind of just have to grin it and bear it. In other words, bow your head and let the storm pass. There are some people who are ready to fight every single fight, every single battle. Well, say, if you fight every single battle, like, first of all, you'll be spent before you know it, right? You'll run out of energy, run out of steam to really accomplish anything great in life. And not every battle is worth fighting. Not every, not every battle has to be fought. Sometimes just give the other side a win. It just doesn't matter. So the Gemara says, sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we always have waves. There are always waves coming at us. So a lot of times, like, I want to stand up to the wave. And sometimes you have to. But many times, what you also have to do is just duck your head. Just talk your head. It's not worth it. 
it's not worth the fight. It's not worth the machlokas. It's not worth the caustic encounter. Bow your head and just let the wave pass right over you. So the Gemara says as follows. The Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, Amarti ba'osa shah, kama gidom chachamim. See how great the words of the chachamim are. Sha'amru ma'im sh'yesh lahem sof mutaras, ma'im sh'ein lahem sof asura. Rabbi say once again, once again, here's a case. Rabbi Akiva went down in a boat in ma'im sh'ein lahem sof. Here Rabbi Gamil was convinced that he was dead, but he wasn't. Rabbi Akiva was dead, but he wasn't. Incredible. Tanya, I'm Rabbi Akiva. So we'll say, now Rabbi Akiva. Listen to this. I'm Rabbi Akiva. Pam achas heisi mahalich besino. Vera'isi sfina achashem etarafes bayam. We'll say, now, again, another story. Rabbi Akiva's on the boat. And he sees another boat next to him. And the boat is getting tossed by the stormy seas. Mam is about to be broken apart. Vaisi mitzta'er al tamit chacham shabbat. And Rabbi Akiva says, I was so distressed about a certain Tam Tachum who was on that boat who I figured was, was obviously going to be dead. And who was it? Umanu, Rabbi Meir. It was Rabbi Meir. And sure, Rabbi Akiva says, I got on dry land. I'm in the Kapotkia. I'm in the base mansion. Who walks in? Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir. I said to my son, my son, how did you, how did you survive? Amrali, Gal Taradani Lechavero, Vichavero Lechavero, Achiki Ani Leyabasha. Rabbi Meir says something amazing. He says, One wave took me to another wave, took me to another wave until it brought me to dry land. Rabbi Meir says, Incredible. Amarti, so Amarti, Rabbi Meir says, I said in that moment, Kama Gidol Divrechacham Shamru, Maim Shiyesh Lahem Sof, Ishto Muteres, Maim Shein Lahem Sof. Ishto Asura. And Rabbi Akiva again once, said, once again said, this really backs up the greatness of the Chachamim. Because again, Rabbi, Rabbi Meir went down in a body of water that was Maim She'ein Lahem Sof, no discernible boundaries. And therefore again, Rabbi Akiva thought he was dead, but yet he wasn't dead. Rabbi Akiva says, you see from here, the Chachamim really know what they're talking about. I will say, the imagery here also is so beautiful of one wave being taken to the next wave, being taken to the next wave. I will say, you know, the interesting thing about waves is remember again, wherever there's a wave, like there's like a peak, there's a valley in between. So the waves of the ocean are an incredible metaphor for life. Life is never a series of peaks, nor is it a series of valleys. It's a series of peaks and valleys. They will say, what's the Yisodin life? The Yisodin life is that when you're riding a wave, when you're riding a wave, when things are going well in life, use the energy of the Simcha, use the energy of the Tova, use the energy of the good times to propel yourself forward. You see, so many times in life when things are going well, we sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. But what you always have to remember is after every wave, after every peak is a valley. So if I use the wave to muster up the energy to do something great, then I can propel myself wave to wave to wave. That's how I could survive. And that's what also allows me to go ahead and really make it past the valleys or the depressions in life. Use the waves. Don't sit back, relax, and enjoy the show when everything is going well. Use those times of serenity. Use those times of bracha to muster up the strength and do something great. So the Gemara goes right. So we'll say some other cases. Let's say a guy falls into a lion's den. You see Reuven fall into a lion's den. So what's the shayla? The shayla is, can I go ahead and testify that he's dead? 
a guy fought, I didn't, I didn't see him devoured by the lions, but chances are guys who fought. So the Gemara says, no, no, we'll see why that is in just a moment. However, a person falls into a pit filled with snakes and scorpions, you could absolutely assume he is dead. And you could testify to that effect. Abiyuda says, no. Abiyuda says, even if he falls into a pit filled with snakes and scorpions, you can't testify about him. He might still be alive. How so? Maybe he is a chabar. They both say, what's a chabar? A chabar is a snake charmer. Interesting. Maybe the guy is a snake charmer. See, he knows how to, I don't know, snake whisperer, snake talker, snake singer, whatever he is. He knows something. Some people know how to charm snakes. So, maybe that's how he survived. The Tanakama, why does Tanakama disagree? Tanakama says, Agav Ititsa Maskele. Since the guy is falling into the pit with the snakes and scorpions and he falls on them, by definition, the act of falling on them is going to trigger them to bite and to sting. Therefore, the guy is dead. So, Tanrabana, Bosei, now, interesting, Rashi points out, I, so what about the lions then? Here's the interesting part about the lions then. If the lions are full, let's say Reuven falls in, but Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, right before Reuven fell in, it was feeding time at the zoo. So Baruch Hashem, he fell, I mean, not Baruch Hashem, he fell in, he fell in, but Lamaisi didn't fall into a den of hungry lions, right? Baruch Hashem, they ate, they ate, they're good. So therefore, one need not worry, one need not worry. So one could fall to the lion's den and yet still have the possibility that the lions are, the lions won't eat him. Okay, so the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says as follows. What happens if a person falls into a fiery furnace? What's the status then? So So ultimately, again, we can testify that he's dead. What happens if a person falls into a vat? There's a vat sitting on top of fire, filled with oil or filled with wine. So he's dead. He's dead. Rabbi Ach Omer Shalit Shemen Me'idin Alav. If he fell into a vat of oil, then he's dead. Me'bnei Shumavir. Because it will say, if he falls into the vat of oil, some of the oil spills out. That intensifies the fire, heats up the vat. The guy is dead. Shalyayin Em Me'idin Alav. Me'bnei Shuhum Mechabe. But ultimately, again, I will say, in a vat of wine, when he falls in and displaces with the wine, the wine actually extinguishes some of the fire, cools down the fire, maybe he could survive. While it's true that maybe initially some of the wine, some of the wine spills out and ultimately goes ahead and, goes ahead and, um, extinguishes the fire, then the fire comes back with a greater gusto. Okay, so therefore, whether he falls into a vat of wine, burning wine or burning oil that's on top of a fire, we could testify that such an individual is in fact dead. So the Gemara goes right there. So remember, Rabbi Meir tells the story of a guy who fell into the large water cistern. And remember again, the Gemara, the Mishnah says, he was in there, he was in there, for, he came out after three days, after three days. Says Gemara, Whatever happened with this guy, it was a miracle. It was a miracle, and we don't bring a raya from miracles. We don't bring a raya from miracles. So my, so what, what was miraculous about this guy surviving for three days? Maybe he said he didn't eat or drink for three days. That's not so miraculous. Esther Malka says, before she goes into Achashverosh, fast for me. And how long do they fast for? Three days. Three days. See, see from here that a person could fast for three days. Ela de 
Rather, we're supposed to say what's impossible over here is that halacha lamaisa, he didn't sleep for three days. And we'll say, what I want to point out over here is like this. We are presupposing that obviously the guy did not survive underwater for three days. In other words, there must have been an air pocket. So we're assuming he found the air pocket. That's how he's breathing. So what's miraculous? So it can't be that he didn't eat or drink because that person could survive without food and water for three days. So what's miraculous? That he didn't sleep for three days. A human being can't go without sleep for three days. After all, the Gemara says, If a person takes a shavu, I swear I'm not going to sleep for three days. Malkin also v'yashin la'alta. We'll say such a shvu like that is a shvuah shav. It's a it's a it's a false shvuah, meaningless shvuah. We give him malchus for taking a false oath or meaningless oath, and we put him to bed immediately. In other words, he could go to sleep immediately. So the Rabbi Meir, Meir said, "My time out of Kano, keeping agavi, keeping havu." It must be that this guy discovered. I will say that in the water cistern were like arches. So therefore, maybe he was able just to kind of put himself on one of the arches and grab a little bit of sleep. Like that, Rabbanon, the Shisha. Rabbanon said the arches were made of marble, usually. And the both say marble is very slippery. A person can't sleep on top of wet marble. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir will say, listen, not saying that he got a, it wasn't like a posturepedic bed, but Lamais, again, he could situate himself a little bit that he could doze at least a little bit to be able to catch a little bit of sleep, to be able to sustain himself. Incredible. Tan Rabbanon. So let's listen to this. There was a story with the daughter of Nechunya, Chofer Sichen. Then I will say, look at Rashi, Chofer Sichen, La'ovei regalim, umayim miskansim, and b'hayu shosim. We'll say, Sichen are wells. Nechunya used to dig wells. Who would he dig wells for? He would dig wells for the Ole regalim. For those Jews who were coming up from Babel Teret Yisrael, that they should have water sources. So this guy Nechunya did this out of the goodness of his heart. He dug wells for the Ole Regal. One time his own daughter fell into a well. They came and they told Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa. So what happened? Shari Shona, Amalem Shalom. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa said in the first hour that she fell in, she's fine. Shnia Amalem Shalom. Second hour, he told them she's still fine. So Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa is saying about the daughter of Nuchunya, she's okay, she survived. Shlishis Amalem By the third hour, so Rabbi Dosa says to everyone assembled, she's been taken out. She's, she's, she's been saved. She's been taken out of the water sister. Amr Labiti, so Amr Labiti Mihalacha. So Rabbi Chanina Ben Dosa said to her, Tell me, my daughter, who took you out of who took you out of the water system? Who took you out of the well? Both said, listen to this. Amrlo, Zakha Sharachilan is Danili. I saw a male ram. Um, I saw a ram. Bizakin Manhiko, an old man was leading the ram. And ultimately, again, they saved me. Rashi says, What is this? Zakha Sharachilim, Zeelo Shal Yitzchak. This refers to the ram of Yitzchak. Zakin, who was the old man leading the ram, none other than Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu leading the ram, the, Akeda, the, the ram of, of Akedas Yitzchak, saved the daughter of Nechonia. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Amrlo, Navi Ata, so the students of Rebbe Chanin said, Rebbe, are you a Navi? You knew she was okay hour one. You knew she was okay hour two. And then hour three, you knew that she was saved. Are you a Navi? Amrlohem, lo Navi Anochi, velo Ben Navi Anochi. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. Elo, dover shat sadik mis asik bo yikasha bolzaro. Says listen, listen. What Rabbi Chanina Mendoza says. Rabbi Nechunya, Nechunya, Nechunya Chofer Sichin. This guy Nechunya Chofer Sichin. He devoted his life to digging wells for Jews. So Rabbi Chanina Mendoza says, is it possible 
that the very chesed he did for Am Yisrael is going to be a source of his misfortune. So it can't be, it can't be that his daughter is going to die by falling into a well. Impossible, impossible. This is the very vehicle of his chesed, impossible that it is going to be the source of his misfortune. So the Gemara says, but also just as a, there's an unfortunate, the tragic postscript, that as much as uh, his daughter was saved, his son died, and amazing of his son died of thirst. So the Gemara says, Literally again, and around him is very turbulent. Around him is very turbulent. What does this mean? That will say it's a little bit of a play on words. So nisara ma'od ultimately means turbulent, but sa'ara also means a hair. When it comes to the righteous, Hakadosh Baruch Hu judges them with incredible precision. That even an infraction that for a regular person, Hakadosh Baruch Hu would forgive and move on and overlook, the righteous are often examined under a profound microscope. So we don't know what happened with with, with We don't know what happened, but Lamaisa he lost the son. He lost the son, and the Gemara understands. I how could someone who did so much chesed suffer such a tragic loss? To which the Gemara answers that Hakadosh Baruch who deals with the tzaddikim like the hair's breath, that he's incredibly particular with them, incredibly meticulous with them, and their deeds are looked at under the microscope. Rabbi Chanina Armehacha. Kel Naaras Besod Kidoshim Rabba Venora Kol Sabibov. That literally again, Bose, if you look at Rashi over here, Kel Naaras Besod Kidoshim, that literally again, a dreadful God, which is a Kodesh Baruch who deals with Din, Besod Kidoshim, within those who are holiest to him, the Rabba Venora Kol Sabibov. Then very often it's those who are closest to the Ribbono Shal Olam that often are dealt with with an incredible measure of divine strict justice. An incredible Gemara Bosai. Let's go back for just a moment. Why is it that Halacha Lamaisa, why is it Halacha Lamaisa that the daughter of Nechun Yochol for Sichin is saved by Avraham Avinu together with the Akidah Yitzchak Bosai? What's, like, what, what's, what's the Pshat in that? So I think it's incredible. Akidah Yitzchak, right? Avraham Avinu is the Isha Chesed. That's what Avraham Avinu represents. He's all Chesed. And one might have thought that sometimes the greatest Chesed that you could do is a willingness to give of yourself totally to Hashem. I take myself and I give it to the Ribbon Hashem. I give myself to you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One might have thought that that is the greatest chesed you could do. Kamashon the Gemara says, no. The greatest chesed, the greatest kindness that a person does is not a giving of themselves over to Hashem. That's great. But even greater than that is giving of yourself over to others. Nechon Yisrael say, that's the chap over here. Armavinu with the ram of Yitzchak comes to save the daughter of Nechunya Chofer Sichin. Why? Because Nechunya gave himself over to others. Nechunya was there for others. And when you are there for others, when you give yourself over for others to a certain degree, you're Abrahamitic. But even, but not Armavinu Ba'akeda. Armavinu Ba'akeda is incredible. But Lamaisa, Armavinu, who gave himself over to others. So Armavinu brings the ram of the Akeda to save this girl. Because the greatest chesed we do in life is not giving ourselves over to Hashem, but it's giving of ourselves to each and every Jew. It's giving of ourselves to others. That is the highest term of chesed. I will say, let's go a little bit weiter. Let's go a little bit weiter. We'll, we'll do the Mishnah, then we'll stop. Mishnah goes on and says, Mishnah goes on and says, 
even if a person goes ahead. Actually, we'll say, we'll stop over here. We'll stop over here. We'll pick up in Meretz. We'll pick up at the Mishnah Meretz Hashem tomorrow. Again, what, what an incredible zechus to be able to learn this daf with all of you. We'll stop over here for today. Tremendous yashakayach. Looking forward to picking up at the Mishnah for our last daf of daf yomi haba aleinu letova on, on Thursday morning in Meretz Hashem. I will say, shkoyach.